Malachi 3. In fact, actually, I want you to look beginning in chapter 2 with me. It's amazing emphasis that the Bible that our Lord places on what people were saying at the time, that is, the words of their mouths. Chapter 2, verse 17 says, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? Well, when ye say, Every one that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. In other words, it wasn't just the deeds of the people. It wasn't merely their actions that were so devious and destructive. It was also their conversation, their comments, their texts, their tweets, their editorials, their homilies and emails and articles and blogs, whatever their form of communication was. Ye have wearied the Lord. And of course, they protested, wherein? Wherein, they said, have we ever wearied God? Like a little child, they said, well, what did we do? And the prophet says, well, when you say, when you talk. Look at chapter 3 again, verse 13. Your words, God says, your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, here it is again, what? What have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said. Now what it means back in chapter 2 by the word weary, when it says you've wearied the Lord, it's really kind of like the modern expression fed up. The Lord had had enough of their commentary. In this chapter, the word stout means haughty. It means arrogant. So that whatever His people, and these are His people, whatever His people were saying, the Bible says God heard all of it and was up to here. He was weary. He was fed up. It's not a promising prospect for these people, as you'll see in a few moments. However, there were other people in the land, and there was, as there always is, a remnant. Chapter 3, look at verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake. They also had words. They spake one, often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Now note that carefully. At the very same time that most people were filling up the cuff, cup of God's wrath with their words, these people were doing the exact opposite. Their words were so welcome, they were so wonderful, that apparently God had an angel keep a record of it. Now imagine that. At the same place, in the same generation of people, some people's words were taking them into a place of judgment in the cup of God's wrath. While others at the same time in place were bringing joy and blessing to the God of heaven. And beloved, inasmuch as Malachi is a prophecy of the last days, and inasmuch as it mirrors our own generation, I know it would do us all very, very well indeed to hear and to heed what it is that God is saying in these words. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word, because in this, your book, your word, you have revealed who you are. You've also revealed us, and in so doing, Father, you have shown us your will, and I pray that we will see again and afresh your will for our lives as your people. And seeing it, Father, Submit ourselves, surrender ourselves afresh 
to who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. The proper word, Malachi, isn't technically a name, as many of you know. It's actually a Hebrew word that means my messenger. My messenger, and so as a prophet, that's why we know nothing about this man other than God calls him, quote, my messenger. So that in this case, God is not interested in our knowing the biography of the messenger, that's where he's from and where he lived and who his parents were and all of those things, but rather it is the message itself that God wants us to focus on because it's what God himself focuses on. For our consideration, the book of Malachi is a unique prophecy in the Word of God. Not only because it was written in one of the darkest periods of Jewish history, and not only because it was written as the last literary prophet closing out the Old Testament, but also because it is the last message that Israel will hear until the coming of Christ. For over four centuries, for over 400 years after this book, God would be basically silent in his revelation to man. And so, for those of us living in these last days, this amazing prophecy has some very special significance for all of us. After all, we too are living in a prophesied period of time. We too are waiting waiting for the coming and the return of Christ. We too are hearing the same kinds of words spoken today in our text. Which brings us to three lessons in Malachi about this. And the first one you'll notice, number one, is a lesson of weariness. Go back to chapter 2 again, would you please? Let's look at it again in verse 17. You have wearied the Lord. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? Well, when ye say, every one that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Can I ask you a question? Does that philosophy have a familiar ring? You ever hear someone say that certain people are good people? These are really, really good people in God's eyes. Or that this group over here, these are the people who God delights in, who ought to be applauded and so on. Well, that's okay, except that the people that they're talking about are actually the evildoers. In other words, in their communications and in their conversation, they are praising, elevating, and ascribing virtue to the very people that God describes as evildoers. So somebody's wrong. Somebody's lying. For example, you ever notice who society today calls brave? He's so brave. Courageous. Or loving. Or heroic. You ever notice in award shows that are prolific in our country these days, who appropriates the name and the work of God? I want to thank Jesus for this blasphemous album, winning album of the year. In other words, it's one thing when people do evil and pride themselves in their shamelessness, but when, for example, abortion advocates or thieves or liars or bullies or the profane, when child abusers and those who mock God's word are glowingly talked about, heralded and celebrated in people's words, eventually God says, no, I'm weary. God says, I'm fed up with the actions I condemned being condoned by other people's words and people who ought to know better. 
So you see, glamorizing and spiritualizing people who live ungodly lives is not something that God delights to hear. That's not all. Chapter 2, verse 17 again. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? And God says, well, when ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. And also what? Or where is the God of judgment? Well, there it is. If God is so against prosperity preachers who call greed good and call money ministry, then why are they so rich? Where's the judgment? Where's the God of judgment? If God is against liars and thieves and unbelievers and immorality and criminals, why do they keep winning elections? Why do they win all the awards and the praise and the contracts, all that money? Where is the God of judgment? There's no God of judgment. There's only a God of tolerance and acceptance and freedom. And by the way, let me say this. If that's how you talk about God, I don't believe in the God of the Old Testament. God is not a God of justice. A loving God, quote, would never do this or never do that. If you question the God of righteous judgment, either because He seems too slow or He's uninvolved or even made up in your own mind, you might want to stop. God does not delight in hearing that. And that's not all. Chapter 3, go back to verse 13. Your words have been stout against me, haughty, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? So God says, ye have said, it is vain. It is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinances, that we walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts, and now we call the proud happy? Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. i got to tell you something, beloved. If that's not the spirit of these times, I don't know what is. Postmodern Christianity in Europe and America, it is completely infected with this kind of cynical pragmatism. It is the hollow death rattle of these people who say it's vain to serve God. These people go on the mission field and they serve over there and they die and suffer on the field. What profit is that? It's a waste of a life. My grandparents live modest lives and no partying and no drugs and no immorality and they just grew old and they died in a little small house. That's lame. No, no, no. Look who's set up, they say. Look who the ones who are making the jokes and a name for themselves and who's cool. The proud. The ones who tempt God. Not the ones who trust in God. And so it goes with people's words in the spirit of this age. All of these wearisome words to God because they are so full of deceit They are full of unbelief and narcissism and ignorance. And you know, God wants us to know. That's why we have the Bible. That's why God gave us His Word. He wants us to know that He wearies of it, which is to say, He wants us to know that He hears it, He's aware of it, and He fully knows, but He doesn't change because of it. He's not altering His will or His Word. Or his plan, because people say, where's the God of judgment? Look how people are getting away with anything and everything. Not at all. Chapter 3 and verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. No, he's not changing, but he does do something. Which brings us then to the second lesson of the text. 
We said, number one, there's a lesson of weariness, but number two, you'll notice, there's a lesson of welcome. Chapter 3 again, verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord, they that feared the Lord, spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Wait a minute. You realize what God is pretty much describing in those verses. He's basically describing a Bible-believing local church. Those who fear the Lord, speaking often one to another, those who think upon His name, and instead of wearying the Lord, they talk about things the Lord welcomes. God says, I hear this. God says, so much so, I hear it and I record it. I'm tuning into that. A couple months ago, Ben and I were driving home from Tennessee. And I thought I would try this. 5,000 channel satellite radio that came with the car. <clears throat> Pass the time, a lot of time. And so it was just like one after another. You look at it, and there's the Grateful Dead 24 7. Nah. Dance electronic, no. Pitbull, as if. 80s hair, no. <laughs> Kids Bob, Joel Osteen Hope, next. Truck Talk, Latin Love, no comprende. The Catholic Church, nah, French hip-hop, French hip-hop, we oui, no. <laughs> it was Ozzy's Boneyard, CNN, LOL. And then, oh, this one's called the Coffee House. Let's try that. It should be called the Coma House. It just... <laughs> ben says, give it up, Dad. So finally I quit. And I just took my phone. I mean, it's frustrating. I have thousands of channels and nothing to listen to. And I took my phone and I tuned in to a channel that was music to my ears. You talk about words of welcome. Oh, yeah. The Beacon Sermon app. Amen. There we go. <clears throat> like, here's one. 35 views. Eat your heart out, Billy Graham channel. <laughs> I didn't listen to myself. I, I'd rather hear a cat screech than hear myself preach. But I listened to Andy and I was blessed. Someone went, oh, that's cute. <laughs> I mean, it was almost as good as when I preached the same sermon, but it, I still blessed. <clears throat> but, you know, our text is kind of like that. You know, here are all these bad channels all over the world with all this awful content. And then the Lord hears his remnant. He hears the ones, the people who love him and trust him and speak often one to another because they've been thinking on him. And the Lord says, I like what I'm hearing with those people. I like that channel. Those people, he says, are going to be jewels of my grace. I'm tuning into this, and furthermore, I'm hitting the record button because of what they say. You see, folks, in Proverbs 15, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil. And then we get fixated on that and just that. You know, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. And so we think, oh, the Lord's looking around. He beholds the evil. But that's not the entire verse. It says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. God sees and hears the good. 
And if you wonder about the emphasis, is it the evil or the good? Let me remind you of 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to... What's the verse say? To show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Look, in other words, yes, God hears the wearisome words of the world, but he hearkens. That's what the word hearkens means. He bends his ear. He hearkens and he listens and he's tuned in to the wholesome, faithful words of his own. In fact, I'm going to say this, something without equivocation, based upon all of the truths and the narratives I've ever read that are revealed in this book, the Bible. If you know the revelation of the Word of God at all, you know that this is true. What God listens to, hearkens to now and always, what God opens His ears to, what God is attentive to and hears to this day, are not the ramblings of the hosts on the view. <clears throat> it's not the pontifications of elitists at Bilderberg or Davos. It's not the TED Talks of some social engineer or lectures at Harvard and Stanford. God is not impressed with the self-important speeches at the Oscars or the editorials at the Times or the hypocritical finger-pointing of the UN Climate Change Conference. Just as it was back during the days of the bluster of Caesar Augustus. That wasn't what God was listening to. Or Cyrus of Persia. Or the pharaohs of Egypt. That did not impress God. None of that makes waves in heaven. Why would the creator of the universe tune in to what a cynical professor at Oxford says about the beginnings of creation when that professor was never there? Unless, unless, note this, Unless that same professor thinks on the name of the Lord, fears the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, and instead of speaking against heaven, speaks often and one to another with like-minded believers, then he listens. You see, with all of the wearisome channels of chatter in Malachi's day, God wanted his people to know that he hears his own. That there was one channel that he basically called the Priceless Jewels Channel. His people. And you know that word jewels in verse 17. It is the Hebrew word segula, which Moses also used, that's translated as peculiar treasure. And God says, yes, you may be living in dark times. You may be living in a society as it was here, full of cynicism and deceit and unbelief. And people chattered about it all the time without shame. But shining in the lights, in the darkness of that world were these lights. These shining lights who, who love and trust and wait upon God. As I speak, 1135, he hasn't landed yet. Our president is on his way in Air Force One to London, England. He's going to meet tomorrow with King Charles. And then on Tuesday and later in the week in Helsinki with the leaders of NATO. Erdogan, the president of Turkey, the general secretary, prime minister of Sweden. And you know, every major reporter and every photojournalist 
with any kind of a camera is going on this trip. I've heard them. They're giddy. They want to catch every word that's spoken or misspoken in some cases. That's tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. But I'm telling you, I know this with confidence. Based upon the word of God, heaven isn't interested. I'm not saying they're unaware. I'm telling you that God is not interested in the way that these reporters and this gaggle will be when they gather around. If you really want to know where God is listening, come to VBS tomorrow. Hear a teenager tell a third grader that God loves them. That's what God hears. That's what God hearkens to. More than hail to the chief, played by a band at the airport, God was listening to you sing a hymn in a morning service of a local assembly of believers and thousands of places all over the world this morning as well. See, how do you know that, Pastor? How do you know? Well, the one who came from heaven, so he's the authority. The one who came from heaven, our Lord Jesus, he didn't say that there is rejoicing in heaven in glory over one treaty signed by nations. Jesus never said there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one summit held by the king of England. A sportee with Charles. No. Jesus did tell us that heaven celebrates when one sinner on this earth comes to Christ. God's listening. And besides that, dozens And dozens and dozens and dozens of scenes in the Bible God describes in his word. He shows us. He tells us who and what he's really listening to on this earth. Far more than the world ruler Xerxes, God was listening to a humble little girl. That's one of dozens and dozens and dozens of examples in the Bible. There's a lesson of weariness. There's a lesson of the words of welcome. And then finally, number three, you'll notice. There's a lesson of the words of wisdom. God is closing out the Old Testament. God is about to go silent for 400 years. And just before, in chapter 4, he says these final words. Verse 1 says, For behold, the day cometh. I mean, people can mock. They can say, where's the God of justice? Where's the God of judgment? It's been so long. Peter said that that's what they said in Noah's day. It's just saying things continue as they always have. Verse 1, for behold, the day cometh. They shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all they that do wickedly shall be stubble. And that day cometh, the day that cometh, shall burn them up, and saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch, but... But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Notice the Son is a his, is a he, it's S U N. The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. It is a dark world, beloved. Yes. And there are words of weariness full of lies being spoken. In every medium in this world, constantly, everywhere, just like we just read, those words right there. And behold, the day cometh for those, the day cometh. But never forget this. 
the son of righteousness is going to arise with healing in his wings. David called the beautiful rays of light at a sunrise, quote, the wings of the morning. The son of righteousness with healing in his wings will arise. Next time you see a beautiful sunrise and you see the wings of the morning from the sun, and maybe you take a picture of that, think about this promise. The darkness shall be turned to dawning and the dawning to noonday bright. And Christ's great kingdom shall come on earth, the kingdom of love and light. Yeah. Words of weariness. Beloved, may they not be once named among us. I do not want to weary the God that I love with the words that I speak. And if I don't want to weary the Lord where he's fed up with what I say, I want to know what it is that wearies him. It's right there. It's words of cynicism and doubt. And where is the God of justice? The psalmist said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Pastor, do you hear what they're saying? Do you read it? Do you listen to the news? Do you hear what they're saying about God and about his word? Oh, yes, I hear it. And guess what? I know that God also hears it, and I know he's getting fed up. That's good enough for me. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Do not be envious because of the wicked and that prosper. I don't have to fret. I don't have to be envious. I know God hears it. But I also know what he listens to. I know that what God hearkens to are your prayers. I know that what God bends his ear to are your praises. And positive words of exhortation and truth. The Bible says one to another. They met often and spake one to another, those who thought upon his name. The Bible says that our God inhabits the praises of his people. Where is God? Is he going to be at Buckingham Palace? Well, his presence will be, but where is God moving and working and listening? The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Where God hears his people give him glory and speak one to another words of exhortation and truth, that's where God is. I wonder this morning, as a people of God, What is God hearing from your lips? Just honestly think about the last two days. What words has the God of heaven heard from your mouth? Gossip, criticism, cynicism, doubt, faithlessness, praising, giving glory, giving accolades to people whose lives demean this book? whose lives and whose work, I don't care how talented they are, how amazing they are, you're praising, your lips are praising the very people who try to destroy this book. Hollywood, to Harvard, wherever. What does God hear from the words of our mouth? Many of you in this room, I have no doubt about this, many of you in this room 
we pray at the very beginning of the service that you may have sung the words saved, saved, but you don't know it here. The God of salvation, this God here who talks about the Son who's coming with healing in his wings, he, that healing is salvation. And he'll save you today. God sent his Son who died for your sins, shed his blood, died on a cross, was buried, resurrected to save you from your sins. But religion won't do that. Your good works, none of it. But receive the Son of righteousness, and he will give you his righteousness. Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed for just a moment. I wonder who'd say, Pastor Blaylock, on this Lord's Day morning, as a child of God, as being saved, I needed this reminder. Look, I have no doubt in my mind that one of the reasons why God gives us texts like these, and there are so many of them, he just wants us to remember that he knows. That God hears, and he knows, and he gets fed up, and there's a cup of wrath that gets full. And what that does for God's people is say, look, I'm not the only one listening to this stuff. It's not a time to envy, to fret because of evildoers. And God's remnant in the book of Malachi, in the days of Malachi, they needed to be encouraged that, hey, I hear you. I hear every encouraging word you say. I hear every word of faith and truth and godliness, every song, every prayer in your desperation. Many of you in this room right now have had prayers of desperation, and it may not look like it or feel like it. God hears that prayer. In fact, one of the great themes of the Bible is that when they cried, God heard their cries. It's over and over and over and over again. God hears you. He hears you more than he hears what's happening in the White House, more than he hears the voices of the, of the leaders and the celebrities and the athletes in this world. He hears you. Pastor Blaylock, I'm saved, but I needed this reminder from the Word of God as a child of God. Who would say that? Would you lift your hands through the building and I lift mine and amen? How about you decide this? How about you decide when you walk out the doors this morning, since God has given you the gift of speech, you, the gift of communication, you will communicate those things that bless and welcome heaven not those things that burden or make God weary. Pastor Blalock, I'm here today and I'm the one or the ones that you mentioned earlier that not sure about salvation, not sure I'm saved, but I'd like to be and I need to be. I won't embarrass you, I won't come to you, but I would love to pray for you. I don't know for sure, I don't know for certain, Pastor Blalock, and you watching it live stream as well, I'm not sure that heaven is my home, but I want to be sure. Could we pray for you? Who would say that? Would you lift your hand really high till we see you, all right? Young man, I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? At home, raise your hand right where you are. Look, life is short. Life is brief. Days are long. In this little brief life that we have, let's use this gift of communication to give glory to God, to praise God, to pray to God, to cry out to God. He wants to hear your cries. That's what the people of Malachi today, the remnant, they were crying out to God. He welcomes that. He loves that. So cry out to him. Father in heaven, bless now the invitation. We thank you for your word again. Thank you for showing us and reminding us. It doesn't matter what generation, what society, what nation, what culture. There have always been those who have spoken against you. 
And you have told us and shown us in your word that evil men and seducers wax worse and worse. And they, in their pride and in their arrogance, speak more and more against you. Where is the God of judgment? Good people are evil and evil people are good. All of these things we hear. But thank you for reminding us, Lord, and showing us that you hear it as well. And, and we need not fret ourselves because of evildoers. And we certainly need not envy the prosperity of the wicked. But do help us, Father, to speak those things that make up your priceless jewels. Help us to be a true remnant, a godly nation, a peculiar people. And for those who've asked for prayer, draw them to you, Lord. And I pray for those who've asked for prayer about salvation and some who didn't. Continue to use this time to convict their hearts for their need of the gospel as well. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' precious name. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.